In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The progression continues, of course, today in the Gospel and Epistle, the progression from the last uh, few weeks. And uh, just to kind of bring it into a little brief, quick little summary, there are the excuses that we give God, like the excuses given to the man who made the Great Supper, the, the excuses of property, the excuses of uh, possessions, the excuses of possessions, of work, and of relationships. Those are some of the ones that we use uh, and give to God. And in, from those excuses, we can become lost. Last week's gospel, the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. Our excuses will get us lost. This week, uh, and in that lostness, we need to repent. We need to turn back to God. Turn around. He comes seeking us, holding the light to say, here is the way. And yet the power lies within us, in our will, whether we'll follow him or not. Today, there is, uh, in the gospel and epistle, some characteristics, some qualities of the found life, of the found life. So last week, repentance. And repentance involves being honest with ourselves about these excuses that we often make to God. It requires leaving our selfish pursuits and turning around, turning back to the Lord. Last week's gospel, a picture of how God is like a shepherd who leaves all the other sheep in order to rescue the one that is lost. But we also reflected last week on the fact that people do not always want to be found. We do not always want to turn back to God and repent. Why? Because it is so costly. It involves making sacrifices and changing priorities. Repentance is difficult. It's life-giving, but it's difficult. So it's easier to pretend to talk about repenting, but not really do it. It's easier to just continue on in the same direction rather than turn around. The spirit may be willing, but the flesh is weak. For those who do make the turn and begin the life of repentance, there are some responsibilities, and the gospel urges us to adopt them today. One of the key responsibilities we have in the found life, the Christian life, the new life, is putting away a judging and condemning spirit. Judge not and ye shall not be judged, Jesus said. Condemn not and ye shall not be condemned. We're not talking about making judgments between what is good and what is bad, weighing things out. We're not talking about um, making judgments about whether I should do this or do that. We're talking about a judging and condemning spirit, which we'll get into. We all have to judge, make judgments every day. And we're called to be holy. 
That involves putting away the things of the darkness and putting on the things of the light. But before we go further, let's take a minute to think about what it means to be lost and to be found. There are many animal rescue stories on YouTube that helped me this week to get a better grip on the reality, the profound depth of our human lostness without Christ, our spiritual condition without the Savior. That may sound, you know, there's a lot of animal uh, cute and cuddly things, but some of these videos really are heart rending. I'd like to share a couple with you just very briefly. I was moved by the story of a little cocker spaniel, spaniel named Kelly that was abandoned by its owner in the wilderness of Utah. No one knows how long that dog had been lost and on its own when it was found by somebody who was out four-wheeling. And this bald, uh, just skin as an outer layer dog was mistaken actually for an armadillo. Without fur at all. There is another story about a one-year-old puppy named Merck who had been abandoned as well and starved. He was so malnourished that he could not walk. This is a puppy a year old who could only stand. <coughs> He, his ribs and every other bone were sticking out of his body and he was a ghastly sight. In fact, he was very near death. And the veterinarian wept as the camera showed the extent of Merck's condition. Isabel, our daughter, had a similar story to tell about Phoebe, a kitten she rescued a couple of years ago. Phoebe was terribly malnourished. She had parasites and her fur was full of lice. She was in such a weakened condition that she could take a few steps and then she had to sit and she'd let out a small, pathetic, creaky meow. Her body weight was very low and she had to be kept wrapped, wrapped in a towel. The stories of Phoebe, Kelly the Cocker Spaniel, and Merck are about lives that were judged to be unworthy and not valuable. These pets were discarded and left to die. In each case, the transformation after a year was incredible. Kelly the Cocker Spaniel had a beautiful brown and white fur coat, full of life, happy, and uh, loyal to uh, her owner. Merck had a significant weight gain, was actually running and playing ball, and loved to be around people. And Phoebe was able to eat and run, and she was free of the lice. In each case, the animal became full of energy, happy, 
and loving. What struck me the most by these stories was the devastation that comes with being lost, with being unloved, abandoned. The things that follow, the hunger, the lice, the parasites, the weakened condition, the cold, the pitiful appearance, and the fear. Maybe the sheep in last week's gospel, the lost sheep, was in a much worse condition than we've imagined after hearing that story for years and years and years. Maybe that sheep was actually hungry, wet, cold, or injured. It always seems so cuddly in uh, the pictures, the Bible story pictures, but maybe this sheep had been lost for a few days and spent some nights alone in the woods. The point is this. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, our very situation is desperate, dire, hopeless. We may not be malnourished or alone physically, but deep down our souls can be very afraid. There's a little voice crying out inside of us for acceptance, assurance, purpose, and hope. We have people who are very lost, who are around the back of the church daily, many times through the day. We find the uh, syringes. We see the makeshift shelters. Those people uh, show us without any, any uh, pretension that there is a great lostness in society. But there can be just as much lostness with the rich or with those who are doing fine. The lostness can be a spiritual lostness. And the stories about these lost animals really hit home to me. The profound lostness that you and I have without the Lord Jesus Christ. We are utterly helpless on our own without him. There are two things, at least two things, probably lots of things, but two things about today to remember about our lostness. On the one hand, every person is born in a lost condition. The cute and cuddly, beautiful baby that smells so good is lost by nature, by its very human nature. The fallen nature that have we been infected or left with by the infection of Adam and Eve's sin. And people will say, how do you get that? The fact that we are born with the assurance that we will die is a sign that we are in a fallen state from when we were we were uh, when God created the first people. We never taught any of our kids to throw temper tantrums, but they all did it. I did it. You did it. We all did it without being taught how to throw a temper tantrum, another sign of our lostness. On the, on the one hand, every person is born in this state, 
Yes, we may have a family that brings us into the world with love and nurtures us, but we still need to be found spiritually. We still need to be born again. We need to come to grips with our need for Jesus the Good Shepherd. And until we do, we are in a very certain way like Kelly the Cocker Spaniel or Merck the Dog or Phoebe the Kitten. On the other hand, coming to grips with our need for Christ and His mercy may be hindered by a number of things. We may, for example, have been hurt or abused as a child, and there is a blockage to understanding and accepting the mercy of God. We may have wandered off the path all on our own in search of freedom as a way of exercising our personal rights to do whatever we feel like doing. We may have an attitude, a chip on the shoulder. Tragically, although God offers us new life by His Spirit, many people, many, many people, even those who've attended church for years, do not grasp this new life because of these complications. Consequently, the benefits of that new life are never realized. Even in the church, people will come and receive the precious body and blood of Christ and miss the whole point. The sad part is that when that is missed, when the point of Christ's mercy and the new life from his mercy is missed, we lack confidence. We go on day after day in a dry spell. There's no joy or peace in our hearts. And we remain unsure about the truth of God's holy word. We doubt his forgiveness. Last week we stopped to point out that a true healing is offered us by God when we confess our sins in faith of Christ's sacrifice. The Lord actually removes the sins from us as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't remember them. He cleanses us by the precious blood of Christ and heals the relationship that we've broken. This is the mercy of God, and it's real, and it's life-changing. But unless we lay hold of that mercy... We continue to doubt that his promises are real. And we wander aimlessly around without hope instead of turning, instead of repenting and following the Lord Jesus. What does it mean, wandering aimlessly? We become more, uh, more inward turned. Things become more about my feelings, about what I want. I, I retreat more and more into myself where there is darkness, rather than looking up to the Lord who offers his light in Christ. 
When we do repent and turn around and respond to the Lord and open the door of our heart and ask Him to come in and help us and save us, everything, everything changes. The darkness of my mind is bathed in the beautiful light of the Holy Spirit. And I'm able to see what is true and holy and good with clarity. The truth about who I really am and where my hope really lies. We begin to catch a glimpse of God's infinite love and mercy and I see the cross differently rather than just a piece of jewelry, rather than just a story. I see that Jesus hung there and suffered and bled and died there for me, that it was not the Roman soldiers and the nails that kept him on the cross. It was his love for me. And that is life-changing good news. I begin to understand that the Lord loves me with an everlasting love and I'm willing to see and turn from the destructiveness of my dead-end egotistical pride. As Kelly the Cocker Spaniel and Merck and Phoebe experienced new life, and happiness in being found, so do we, only it's the very life of God himself, the new and everlasting life of the risen Christ. This new reality does not mean, and this is where, where we, uh, we need to mature in our faith, we need to move beyond the baby Jesus faith, to this mature point of faith. To understand that the new life does not mean that we can coast, coast or that we are excused from, the res from responsibility or from suffering or from discipline. Both or all of these are addressed in today's epistle and gospel. Responsibility and suffering. Mature points of faith. The epistle, for example, speaks about the suffering and groaning of the creation as though the creation was a person. St. Paul wrote, We know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now, and not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown within ourselves, waiting for our full adoption as sons, even the redemption of our body. Early, early on summer mornings, especially in the country, when the birds are singing, or the rain is falling softly, or just as the sun begins to rise and that glow on the horizon is growing, there does not seem to be the, gro the groaning that Paul speaks of. 
It seems like a moment of peace, harmony, beauty. But as soon as the first ambulance siren, as, few, as soon as the first ambulance siren wails, usually after, around six o'clock in, in the morning in our neighborhood, we're quickly reminded of the fallen condition that we're in, in this world. As those who know what it is to be found, the groaning begins for another day. The groaning while we wait for Jesus to return. We groan, Paul says, not without hope, but with hope as a woman in labor who awaits the birth of her child. We know there's something infinitely better. So for now, we experience hardship, disappointment, frustration, and suffering. And we groan, but we do so with hope. It's a mature point of faith that is part of living the new life, the found life in Christ. We should expect the cross. As those who were lost but now are found, we also have responsibilities. Responsibilities to follow our Savior, to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. We don't just have the new life to be wild again. We have the new life to follow Christ and bear witness to him. One of the responsibilities, a hallmark of the new life in Christ, is to put away a judging spirit and to be merciful. We have received God's abundant mercy. Freely, freely you have received. Freely, freely give. Rather than condemn us, the Lord has come to rescue and save us through his Son. When he could have ground us under his heel, instead he came and was bruised and humiliated for us. Therefore he calls us to stop condemning others. What exactly was Jesus talking about when he said, Judge not and you shall not be judged, condemn not and you shall not be condemned. One commentator gave, gave this helpful explanation. The judging Jesus speaks of in this passage is judging so as to censure or blame and to condemn. The condemning signifies a downright condemning, a condemning without mercy and without making any allowance for the circumstances that may be involved. The censor censorious spirit rejoices in the iniquity of its neighbor. It is the food on which it prays. It looks out for it and is determined to find it, whether it's there or not. On the contrary, the loving spirit believes all things. That is, that the heart of that person is not so bad as the action seems to show. The loving spirit hopes all things, that an acquittal 
or a good, solid excuse will soon come forward. Be ye merciful, as your Father also is merciful. This is the Lord's word to us today who have been found. Once we were lost, but he has saved a wretch like you and me. We had no purpose or hope. We groped around in the dark, desperate for love and belonging and for meaning in life. But in Christ Jesus, we have been found. We've been grafted into him in baptism, and we've been made the children of God, claimed by our Father in heaven. The Holy Spirit has come to dwell in us. He has come not to leave us as we were, but to lift us up and fit us for the land of everlasting life. He's come to bless us so that we may be a blessing to others. We've said this before. There are two bodies of water that the Jordan River flows through in the, in the Holy Land. There is the Sea of Galilee. And the Jordan River flows into that body and out at the southern end. And the Sea of Galilee is teeming with life. Further in the south, the Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea, where the salt content is so high that nothing lives. And you have to take a shower after you get out of that Dead Sea, because the salt is so concentrated. We have a choice set before us today, the Sea of Galilee or the Dead Sea. To remain, to, to follow our Lord Jesus Christ in the found life with mercy, to let his mercy flow through us, or to remain and in our lost condition. Having received the mercy of God through Christ, let us extend it freely to others. And now unto God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be ascribed all might, majesty, dominion, power, honor, and glory as is most justly due, henceforth and forevermore. Amen.